Hello and welcome to Solutions. This is the episode of our second series of podcasts for solution-focused hypnotherapists. And I am Cathy Eland. Hello, I'm Trevor Edwards, and we're both experienced solution-focused hypnotherapists. Today, we're looking at OCD. So let's start with a definition. OCD stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. The obsessions are usually persistent and uncontrollable thoughts, images, impulses, worries, fears and doubts or a combination of these that are intrusive, unwanted, disturbing and significantly interfere with normal life, making them incredibly difficult to ignore. Yeah, and compulsions are repetitive physical behaviours and actions or mental thought rituals that are performed repeatedly in an attempt to relieve the anxiety caused by the obsessional thoughts and to prevent perceived danger or harm coming to themselves or to a loved one. Usually, people recognise that their compulsive actions are senseless and irrational. However, they feel bound to carry them out to prevent harm coming to themselves or their loved ones. Yeah, and these compulsions can either be overt, which means other people can see them, or covert, which involves a mental act that cannot be seen. An overt act might be continually checking that light switch is turned off, and a covert act may be counting in your head or repeating certain words or phrases over and over again. So types of OCD, they include Checking to prevent damage, fire, leaks or harm. Contamination to prevent illness or death. It often goes with cleaning compulsions. Mental contamination, where you're made to feel like dirt. Hoarding, the inability to discard useless or worn out possessions. Ruminations, a train of prolonged thinking about a question or theme that is undirected and unproductive, e.g., is everyone basically good? Yeah. And um, what about intrusive thoughts, repetitive, disturbing, and often horrific, repugnant thoughts? And there's religious intrusive thoughts, repeating prayers or worrying about sins, etc. Yeah. What about violent intrusive thoughts, fears of violent acts against loved ones or others? And symmetry and orderliness, the need for tidiness or symmetry. And of course, lastly, obsessions without compulsions, and this is called pure O, and it refers to a type of OCD without any outward compulsive signs. The compulsions are mainly unseen mental rituals. And how many people in the UK have OCD? Well, the Royal College of Psychiatrists estimates that one in 50 people in the UK suffers from OCD. That's 2%. In the USA, the figure quoted is 1.2%. Yeah, and if you do struggle with OCD, you're in good company. Famous people who may have suffered include Charles Darwin, Florence Nightingale, Cameron Diaz, and David Beckham. Oh, interesting. So how bad OCD gets can vary. For some people, it can make it impossible to work regularly, to take part in family life, or even to get on with your family. Family members can get upset if the person with OCD tries to involve them in their rituals. Yeah. And so what causes OCD? There are a number of factors. Uh, firstly, genetics. Someone who has a relative with OCD is more likely to develop OCD than others. And there's stress. 
this brings on OCD in about one or two out of every three cases. Changes in life, e.g. the birth of a baby, puberty, or getting a new job. And this personality. Apparently neat, meticulous, methodical people with high standards can be more likely to develop OCD. Interesting. Um, Daniel Siegel in the book Mindsight describes a model for OCD in which parts of the brain continually check for danger, a part he calls the checker. Obviously, this is a good thing if an animal or a primitive human is to survive in the natural environment. It's also good for crossing the road. But sometimes the checker gets a bit overexcited. It wants to protect you, but you need to curb its enthusiasm. This checker scans for danger and then it alerts us with fear and anxiety whenever anything threatening seems to be happening. And then it motivates us to take action to prevent the danger from occurring. And this is Siegel's SAM or SAM model. His technique was to use mindfulness to help his client relax. Yeah, Daniel Siegel then encouraged the client to engage in an internal dialogue with their checker. So if the checker said, for example, move away from the edge of the swimming pool so the sharks can't get you, the client would say, Thank you for your love and concern. I know you want to keep me safe, and I want to be safe. Your enthusiasm is too much. The next step was to reduce the compulsive behaviour. 14 taps, whatever the compulsive repetitive behaviour might be, became 12, and then 10, etc., down to 1, and then none. Yeah. Siegel says that the overactive circuits of OCD involve the same areas of our middle prefrontal cortex that alerts us when we've made a mistake. The caudate nucleus is also involved and helps us change the direction of our thoughts or actions, which is essential to rectify a mistake. These two brain areas seem to get stuck on the on position, which activates alarms in the brainstem. This, plus the emotion of fear from the amygdala, makes a search for danger. Interesting. Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz is an American psychiatrist and researcher, and he's come up with a four-stage cognitive biobehavioural self-treatment. He suggests that in OCD, the brain gets locked in a loop of perceiving danger and acts accordingly. Let's look at his four stages. Yeah, let's do that. Stage one. This is called relabel. A person recognises their intrusive thoughts to be a result of their OCD. People can begin to understand that the feeling is just a false alarm with little or no basis in reality. Stage two is called reattribute. People realise that the intensity and intrusiveness is caused by their OCD. In effect, they say, it's not me. It's my OCD. Okay. The third stage is refocus, where a person focuses their attention on something else or may choose another behaviour to replace the compulsive washing or checking. Any constructive, pleasant behaviour will do. A person says to themselves, I'm experiencing a symptom of OCD. I need to do another behaviour. And hopefully the compulsion can be put off for at least 15 minutes. And the fourth stage is revalue. A person no longer takes their OCD thoughts at face value. They recognise that the thought is not significant in itself. Mm, that's good.
Um, what does DSM-5 say about OCD? Well, it says presence of obsessions or compulsions or both, recognised as unreasonable or obsessive, causing distress, not related to another disorder, not as a result of drugs, illness or medication. Avoidance is also a compulsive behaviour. OCD sufferers will go to great lengths to avoid whatever it is they feel triggers their obsessions. According to the NHS website, although OCD affects individuals differently, most people with the condition will fall into a set pattern of thought and behaviour. The pattern has four main steps. Firstly, obsession. Your mind is overwhelmed by a constant obsessive fear or concern, such as the fear your house will be burgled. Uh, anxiety. This obsession provokes a feeling of intense anxiety and distress. And thirdly, compulsion. You adopt a pattern of compulsive behaviour to reduce your anxiety and distress, mm. such as checking all your windows and doors are locked at least three times before leaving the house. Yeah. And finally, temporary relief. The compulsive behaviour brings temporary relief from anxiety, but the obsession and anxiety soon return, causing the cycle to begin again. Clients may have been prescribed drugs to treat OCD. It is worth noting that compulsive liars or compulsive shoppers or compulsive gamblers are most likely to be experiencing addictive problems and are considered to have impulse control disorder. There is no obsession driving the compulsive addiction. The person probably enjoyed the activity to begin with. With OCD, the compulsive behaviour is never enjoyable. So, how does solution-focused hypnotherapy help? We will work with clients to reduce stress and anxiety. It's good old bucket emptying. And then that way, reduce the degree to which the person suffers with OCD. So it's tolerable and the person can fit in with normal society. Yeah, it's useful to normalise the problem. 2% of the population is a lot of people suffering from OCD. People feel better able to cope when they realise there's a lot of it about. And it's useful to separate the person from the problem. So don't say you being OCD makes your life difficult. Do say that OCD makes life difficult for you. It stops clients being defined by their problem. And reduce the compulsive behaviour. Encourage the client to do it fewer times or wait longer before starting. Help them to identify the triggers. It might be a place or person that sets off an obsession, a feeling of discomfort or indeed a compulsive urge. Then help them to avoid these triggers if possible. Ask the usual solution-focused brief therapy questions. When don't they feel they have to perform their compulsive behaviour? What strengths have they used in the past to overcome their OCD? You could try Siegel's parts therapy approach. You could perhaps recommend mindfulness. And sometimes a rewind has been found to be helpful. And then a reframe will help them to picture a future where they do not have OCD. Similarly, the miracle question will help them visualise part of their day OCD-free highlighting how they feel and who is noticing the different version of them. Yeah, 
But that constant bucket emptying reduces how stressed they feel. And that seems to make the OCD less of an issue for them. And also, of course, for their family. Yeah, good. Um, we do have some suggested metaphors that you might use. For example, like skiing on an icy mountain, you take care. But when you catch an icy ledge, you know that attempting to control the skis doesn't work. You have to take the pressure off the front and let the skis slide until you can carve and take control on the snowy patch. Wait until you can get your foot in. Yes, that's a good one. Or like training new muscles. We know that returning to the gym is hard work. It's painful and uncomfortable. And you know that your muscles may be aching. But you know if you can put up with the initial pain, you can build up that tolerance. Yeah, or thirdly, um, it's helpful to think about building up your immunity. When we have an injection, we're introducing small doses to the body so that in time, you'll not have the same response. Oh, my favourite is the surfing metaphor. Think of your thought like an ocean. Sometimes you get a low tide, sometimes a high tide, and sometimes a storm. It's about learning to float through or surf the waves, not stand up to them to be knocked down. Just let the storm pass. Wow, brilliant. Yeah, I like that. Okay, well, that's about it from us. I hope that helps you when working with your clients with OCD. Next time, we'll be looking at working with clients with IBS. So until then, it's goodbye from me, Cathy Eland. And it's goodbye from me, Trevor Eddles. See you next time. Bye. Bye.